love that music. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. I feel like I ought to be wearing boots and spurs instead, though. And all right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. Um, Pastor Gabe said something about uh, a, uh, a gift, I think, said like that. But I want to let you know, I've got mine already. If you can't read that, it says Slim Jim. So we have, we have Slim Jims and beef jerky and even pistachios for those of you uh, who don't want meat or maybe you've had enough meat. I don't know who those people would be. But yeah, yeah, we're not going to boo them. This is a church, but there are some people who've had enough meat. But anyway, um, thank you guys for coming. It, it's an interesting dynamic. So extra props to you dads who are here today because it's getting to be a trend in the church. And, you know, I read a lot of church pastor blogs and things like that. And it's always on Mother's Day is, is really rivals Christmas and Easter as far as attendance in a church, in, in-house attendance. Uh, and I can just see the moms going, no. It's Mother's Day. What I want is for my family to be in church. What an amazing attitude, and I just love that. But the flip side is unfortunately not always so true. On Father's Day, it's like, it's Father's Day, I'm going golfing. (laughs) Or fishing, or doing some barbecue, or whatever it is. So no condemnation in that. I just want to point that out, that, that men, men, get your family Get your family into church. Make sure, have that same passion for it that, that your wives do. So anyway, um, I don't want to belabor that. Um, welcome to the last in our very short series, There's Power in the Body. Next week, uh, Pastor Gabe said on Wednesday, we're doing the gift assessment test. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But next week, we start our new series, and it's going to be in the book of Ephesians. Woo! We're going to go through the book of Ephesians, and I think, I think that you're really going to like it. The Holy Spirit's already been just downloading stuff. I'm trying to write this message, and the Holy Spirit's downloading things for next week. I'm like, come on, one thing at a time. That's all my brain can do. Anyway, all right, so let's, let's get into this. We, have, we are going to have an opportunity, and I want to just give you a little glimpse so that you can start kind of preparing your mind. We're going to be talking about two specific spiritual gifts today. We've been talking about the power in the body of Christ and the way that the Holy Spirit empowers believers through those spiritual gifts that we receive when we say yes to Jesus. And he empowers them to do things, to make him known, to to make the power and glory of God known in this world. And that's how he does it. We've been talking about that. And there are so many spiritual gifts so many. I'm going to talk about that too. But um, we're going to give a little bit of time. We're going to highlight two, and that is healing and prophecy today. In part, because they're very often misunderstood. A lot of people like, I don't know about that. I'm just going to pretend that doesn't exist because I can't think about that. And in other parts, because we have dedicated ministries here at Discover that deal with those particular gifts. So I want to talk about those and highlight those. But what we're going to do is I'm going to devote a few minutes each time to testimonies. Scott, if you're here for me, go ahead and go back. I'll call you specifically when it's time because we got a little ways to go. 
Scott is like such a good, he's like, I'm here with the mic, let's do this. Because I warned him, I might need you at some point. He's ready to go, and I appreciate that. But it's going to be a little bit later in the message. But I want you to start thinking about just a brief testimony of a way maybe that, that either, either the gift of prophecy or the gift of healing has manifested in your life in, a, in an amazing way. Okay, And we all have stories about it. But think about it, if you have something that you'd like to share, because I'm going to give time for that later on in the, in the service as we go. So, all right, let's get into it. I talked about the fact that empowering believers through the Holy Spirit to accomplish uh, the mission that we've been given is something that God promised all the way back at the beginning. This isn't just a New Testament thing. It was promised all the way back to Moses on Mount Sinai. And if you haven't been here for the rest of the series, I want to repeat this one scripture because it's so, to me, it's so telling on what God's purpose was all the way back then when he was talking to Moses during the Exodus. This is Exodus 34.10. It's actually recording what God said. It says, then God said, behold, I'm going to make a covenant before all your people I will perform miracles which have not been produced in all the earth nor among any of the nations. And all the people among you who live will see the working of the Lord, for it is a fearful thing that I'm going to perform with you. That's the foundation for what happens on the day of Pentecost and then ultimately in all believers of Jesus. Now, I want to point out something that you may have missed, and depending on your translation, I don't always get into translational issues, but depending on the version you have, whether it's an NIV, NLT, New American Standard, anything like that, it may say, look at that last line, if you've got it up, for it is a fearful thing that I'm going to perform with you. Some translations say, for you. What's yours say, Katya? For you, see? Unfortunately, that is a mistranslation. You go back to the Greek and look at that, right? You go back and look at the Greek, and it very specifically uses one word, and that word is critical to understand. The Hebrew word is im, pronounced E-E-M. The definition is with you or alongside you. Doesn't mean for you. It's the difference between, it's the different, it's not a a show of force and power and awe and wonder on your behalf. It's with you and through you, empowering you to do it. It's the difference between a father going down to the playground and beating up the bully for his son and empowering your child to stand up for themselves. That's the difference. It's very, very important. And again, some translations use that word, I'm going to perform this for you. That isn't how it is in the Hebrew, which is what we take all the best translations off of. So the first step for equipping believers in that happened on the day of Pentecost, right? We've taught about that. We know about that. You know, in Acts 2, where it says, suddenly a noise like a violent wind came in, distributing tongues of fire on each one. That was an awesome event that happened right then, but it wasn't to end there. 
that awesomeness, that awesome power, that, can you imagine them sitting around? In fact, people that were watching this thought that they were drunk because all of a sudden they started acting weird, right? Can you imagine if as Christians we were known for being weird, but not in the way we currently are? We're known for being weird in the fact that signs and wonders follow us around. Can you imagine what that would be like? And it was such a miraculous and wonderful gift that Satan has been trying to steal it away since that very day. Trying to steal that away, telling you, why don't you just tamp that down? Keep that in your back pocket. Just do that at home so other people don't see it and think you're weird. In other words... Just be like everyone else. Blend in. We're not called to blend in, church. We are not. If we don't understand... Oh, by the way, last week, Pastor Scott taught on deliverance ministry. And thank you, Scott, for doing that. Um, Such a powerful, powerful gift. And if you think that the enemy is not after your soul not trying to get you to give up all the gifts that you've been given, go back and listen to that message if you didn't hear it. Uh, Fantastic message. Um, But if you don't understand the power that you've been given through the Holy Spirit and how to exercise that in the kingdom, in service of God, and on his behalf, and as a reflection of Christ inside you, if you don't understand that, then really... You're complicit in what the enemy wants to do. You've been given all these gifts. Okay, I might know about it, but I don't know how to use them, and I'm not really interested in that aspect. I just want my salvation. Okay. A lot of Christians do that, and this isn't a salvation issue. It's a power of God issue. It's a fulfilling our mission issue is what it is. Paul described it when he was talking to the believers in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 12, 1, it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You remember, he's teaching right here a church that is just now trying to grapple with what this is and what these are. So he tells them that, and then he goes on, verses 4 through 7. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, varieties of ministry, and the same Lord. A variety of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit for the common good in a believer is known as the gifts of the Spirit. That's how they manifest in you. So Paul goes on, also Peter, but goes on to explain what these gifts are. And he kind of gives... It's not exactly a list. You kind of have to read through it and and put it together. But but there are many, many spiritual gifts. And I've got them kind of broken down here. Let's just look. I'm just going to throw the slides up here. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, Speaking in tongues, by the way, distinguishing of spirits, that is the gift that's at work in the deliverance ministry. So if you're wondering about that. Uh, Number eight, speaking in tongues, interpreting of tongues, apostleship, helping, administration. And then in 1 Peter, Peter adds hospitality, teaching, serving. 
And then back to Romans with Paul, exhortation, giving generously, leadership, and acts of mercy. Okay, and there are more kind of sub-gifts and different things, but that's kind of the main category. So my question for you is, do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Do you know what they are? Maybe you've never even thought about it. Maybe you've been taught that there are these things that exist. Maybe we even have this recollection that we receive them through the Spirit. But how does it work? How does it work and what they are? Let me throw this one thing out here that just the Holy Spirit was speaking to me yesterday about this. And I wasn't going to say anything about it, but it just won't let go. And it's just an interesting thing to me. When Paul was teaching the Corinthians in the early church, and they're going out and they're operating in these things, they didn't have a Bible with the list. How do you think they knew? How do you think these believers in Corinth were sitting there having church, and they're operating in the gifts, and unfortunately, incorrectly operating sometimes, but they're just doing it? How do you think they knew? They didn't have somebody preaching to them, okay, now that you've received Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, and with the Holy Spirit comes spiritual gifts. Let's do a three-week class on what spiritual gifts are, and then you can go operate in them. It didn't work like that. When they received Christ, they received the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they immediately began working in them, and it was so obvious that it was different that they knew something different had happened. Just think about that. Do the spiritual gifts manifest in your life in such a way that people look at you and go, that's not normal? In a good way. Because <laughs> they do that to me all the time. But in a good way. Such as, you have such joy when you're scrubbing out the toilets in the church. Okay? That's not normal. You have such incredible patience. Kelly's going, I do that and I get joy. That's not normal. <laughs> and we're happy that it's not normal. You do administration. You're doing, you're doing bookkeeping. You're doing whatever your job is. And you're going, I just get joy out of this. And people go, you're weird because that is not, okay. That's, that's what it looks like. In the early church, it was so obvious that they were operating in something different, above and beyond their fleshly self, that people went, that's a thing that you're doing there. So much so that they identified a list, and Paul said, okay, here they are. Now let's talk about how you use them. I also want you to notice, when we talk about spiritual gifts here, not everyone operates in all of those gifts all of the time. We'll have access to them, but 1 Corinthians 12, 11, and Paul writing this again to the church in Corinth, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. We're going to talk about that more a little bit later. Um, but today, today we're going to be highlighting two gifts in particular where we have ministries supporting them here at Discover, and that is healing and prophecy. And again, the reason I want to do that is because they've been so misused and abused to the point to where they've kind of become divisive. Paul writes his letter, 1 Corinthians, as a letter of correction to the church in Corinth, saying, hey, I'm glad you're trying all this stuff, but 
you're kind of messing this up. You're abusing it. You're twisting it. You're using it wrong. And so that's what 1 Corinthians is all about. Um, and I don't want to go into it. I was going to put up some videos and different things, but I bet a lot of us can think right now, if I asked you, think of a time where the gift of healing was, was being, where healing, let's say, was being uh, performed or exhibited in front of you, and it just didn't feel right. It's like, I don't know if that's from the Holy Spirit. That seems a little bit off. Or prophecy. If you've ever gotten a prophetic word. Or let's go, let's go to the low-hanging fruit, the billboard on the street that says, according to prophecy, the world is going to end on Thursday at 3 o'clock. And then on Friday, the billboard is still there, only it's been changed to say, oh, we miscalculated the, the time, and it's actually a year from Thursday at 3 o'clock. That's not how prophecy works. That's not how healing works. Those things that just give you a like, ah, that just doesn't seem right. It's being abused, whether it's just through showmanship or, or ignorance of how it works or whatever it is. And so Paul goes into that quite a bit, but that's why we're talking about these two today. Now, the spiritual gift of healing, again, it's a, very, it's a real thing, alive and active today. It's the supernatural manifestation of the Spirit of God that miraculously brings healing from disease or injury or sickness. 1 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul talks about this. To another, he's listing the spiritual gifts. To another, faith by the same spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. The gift of healing is only mentioned by Paul. And it's only mentioned in his letter to the Corinthians. And only three times. Only three times. There's no instruction in how this works. He doesn't say, now here's the gift and here's what we do. We do this in a controlled environment and you do it with the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't go into any of those things. He just mentions, oh yeah, there's this gift and moving on. But he does give us insight as to how the Corinthians were abusing it. And we take from that maybe some of our marching orders on how to employ this gift. 1 Corinthians 12.30 he says, all do not have gifts of healing, do they? He's asking rhetorically, all do not speak in tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? It's all rhetorical questions. What was happening in the church in Corinth is that they were saying, hey, if you're a believer, you should be able to operate in healing right now. Heal that person. And it didn't happen, big surprise. You have the gift of tongues. Speak in tongues right now. I, I, okay, maybe you're not saved after all. That's what they were doing. That's how they were abusing those things. So we have to look at that as, rather than a list of how you do it, how you don't do it, right? So in order to operate in healing, we need to look at Jesus' example, Okay. We also need to look at the example of the disciples after they received the Holy Spirit. We know that he empowered them even before they received the Holy Spirit to go out and heal. We know that he did that. But even scripture says that was, that was for that time right there. 
But then on Pentecost, they were all empowered to do it. So we look at how the disciples did it. Here's my favorite example. Follow along with me here. This is in Acts. Acts 3, 1 through, basically 1 through 6 is where we're going to be. Acts 3, I'll read you 1 through 5, and then I'll show you 6. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. I'm going to narrate as we go along through here. Going to the temple to pray was something that Jews did any time that they were in Jerusalem. If you're in Jerusalem, you went to the temple to pray every day. It was, it was an honor, a privilege. It was a sacred thing, and they did it, which means that Peter and John, this wasn't the first time they'd ever done that, okay? Also, Jesus wasn't the first time he'd ever been there to the temple and prayed. If you were a devout Jew, you did that regularly. So they had done this often. Just on this day, it's a little bit different. Okay, verse 2. And a man who had been unable to walk from birth was being carried, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order for him to beg for charitable gifts from those entering the temple grounds. Okay, again, this man, every single day, crippled from birth, they took him there and they set him on the steps of the temple to beg from people going into the temple. Okay? You put two and two together, you're looking at the picture here, and you see Peter and John and Jesus and all the other disciples that went to the temple to pray would have likely seen this man every single day sitting there on the steps of the temple. Every day. That's what Scripture tells us, and it's very careful to phrase it like that. Verse 3, when he saw Peter, meaning the, the, the crippled man, When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple grounds, he began asking to receive charitable gifts, which he would have done all the time. But Peter, along with John, looked at him intently. What do you think happened during that looked at him intently? Peter and John, they're walking by. They see this guy all the time. They're walking in to to go pray at the temple. This guy asks for a gift, as he always does. But this time, it stopped. Turn, look intently. You think the Holy Spirit was speaking to them right then and there? I think so, because we look at what happened next. Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, look at us, all right? Focus your attention right here. Doesn't mean, check this out. It means, look at me. Verse 5. And he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Now, verse 6, we've got it up here. But Peter said, I do not have silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. And the man walks. Think about what just happened there. They passed by this guy, even Jesus likely passed by this guy every single day. Didn't heal him at all. This one time, after the infilling of the Holy Spirit, after then having that gift, the Holy Spirit says, stop, I need you. I need you to heal this man. Catches their attention, they stop, they turn to him, gets his attention, and they heal him right then. He stands and walks. That's what it looks like when the Holy Spirit prompts you to use your gift of healing. 
You don't just go around randomly healing everybody. We see through Scripture all over the place where people were ill, were sick, were hurt, and they didn't get healed. We see in Scripture all kinds of places where even Paul couldn't heal his friends. He had to leave some people behind that were companions going on him with missionary journeys and just said, I, he's sick, pray for him, I have to go. So we look at scripture to see how that gift works. So here are a few things to know about the gift of healing. By the way, Peter, later on in scripture, if you read that, heals Aeneas, he even raises Tabitha from the dead. Peter very much operated in that gift of healing, very much so. But here's things to know about the gift of healing. All believers can operate in the gift of healing when prompted by the Holy Spirit. All believers. Some, though, operate with the gift of healing as their primary gift. Okay, and we'll talk about that when we do the gift assessment if you come next Wednesday night. Um, The gift of healing can definitely be abused, can definitely be abused. We see some healing ministries today that I I believe in my heart that they started out with 100% um, great intentions, spirit-filled, spirit-led intentions, and somewhere along the way, like everything that grows too big, it kind of gets out of hand, and I uh, I think some of them are like that. Read Acts 19, what happened to the sons of Sceva who were going around trying to heal in Jesus' name without the Holy Spirit. They kind of get beat up. Number four, the gift of healing is alive and active today as a display of the power of Christ in his body. So now, I want to take a second. Scott, you can come out with that mic if you want. Does anyone have a concise, air quotes, concise testimony about how the miraculous gift of healing has worked in your life. Whether, whether you have seen it because you've operated in that, that gift or you've been healed. Anybody? I'm going to have you speak into the mic just so the people online can hear too. Well, I have one for prophecy and healing. They kind of go Let's together. do healing first. Well, unless okay. they, unless they okay. dovetail. That's okay. Because we'll do prophecy again. later. Um, so I was going through the LBS class and learning about this gift of perception of prophecy, and that's another story. And in that class, I was also getting prophetic words about um, laying hands on people, and they'll be healed. I'm like, whoa, I was getting dreams about it. And I'm like, that feels so far off, I can't even, like, I can't even imagine that in my life yet. But here's where the prophetic part works. God said it. He was showing me, he was showing me my future and he was calling me into something and I had the choice to go there or not to go there. It's that willingness. Okay. So going through this class, I I had this, my ankle, my left side, I'll try to be very concise. I dealt with a joint issue for years and years and years. Painful, acted up, kept coming, kept going. As I was going through this class, I was so focused on just the material and learning and growing. I was ignoring the pain in my um, uh, ankle that was just getting worse and worse and worse. And it got to a point where I couldn't even walk without excruciating pain, right? And I remember collapsing on the floor in my house one night. 
was alone, about to do my LBS work. And I just said, Lord, I, I can't even walk. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to go to a doctor or do you want to heal me? I was totally open to whatever he told me to do. And I just heard the Holy Spirit said, I want to heal you. And I went, okay. And then he said, but. And I'm like, okay, God, what's the but? He goes, I need you to repent of your unbelief and your double mind about healing. And I'm like, what? And he was showing me how what I knew in my head and what I spoke with my mouth did not match what I believed in my heart. Mm. And it was very real. And I went, okay, Lord, I'm going to repent of that right now. So I repented. And then after I got that out, I just, I totally said, okay, God, I'm, I'm in faith. I'm going to, I'm going to say what you taught me so far in this area of healing, which I'm just, just learning, right? And I began to speak and command healing to my ankle in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, as I was praying, I felt this amazing just shot of tingle go through my leg. Started at the top and it went down to my foot. And I was just like, is this real? Is this happening? And I was like trying to ignore it so I could finish my prayer because <laughs> I wasn't done talking to God yet. And, um, and then I stopped praying and I went, something happened. I know something happened and I got up and I started walking and I had zero pain. Zero pain. I looked at my ankle. Half the swelling was gone. And I'm like, this is so unreal. I have to test it. So I put on my shoes. I mean, I couldn't even walk through the house. I said, I'm going on a power walk through the neighborhood right now. And I did. And I guess I'll have to tell you there was a little bit of pain, but the bulk of it was gone. I went through a on a walk through the neighborhood. And then over the week, I was so excited, you know, and then the week, and then I this little voice started to come back and go, hmm, wait a minute, are you fully healed? Uh, maybe that was a 50-50 because you still have a little swelling and you still have a little pain. And, and all of a sudden, this voice was coming and saying, are you really healed? Did that really happen? There's still pain there, still that there. And all of a sudden, my percentage, because that day I was 80% healed and 20% left. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it became a 60 and a 50 and a 40. And then the Holy Spirit just slapped me over the face <laughs> and he said, what are you doing? You're healed. And I'm like, okay, I got to agree with you. I'm healed. And in the next couple of weeks, the rest of the pain and the rest of the swelling, most of it went. I have to tell you, I'm still living with 10%. Yeah. And I'll take the 90. Yeah, absolutely. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Don't fight over it. Okay. <laughs> Concise. I'm going to talk about my husband. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to address prophecy. Is that is it too early for prophecy? Prophecy will be later. Okay, never mind. If you can. Send it on. You got one? All right. Real concise. I had some pretty severe hip pain this week um, that acts up from time to time. And um, I, I, too, felt the calling. I've done this a couple times. And I was like, just stop worrying about it and just ask for some prayer. So I texted Gabe and I emailed the prayer team. And I texted my church ladies. Thank you, Kelly and Ashley. And I had worship practice that night that I really wasn't even supposed to be at. I, was, I filled in, and they prayed for me as well. And that night, I felt better, and I slept better than I had in days and went from probably a 6 or a 7 to a 2, and it's been good ever since. So I just, real short and concise, it doesn't have to be huge healing, but even just for these little things, just yeah. don't hesitate to reach out. That's awesome. Thank you. Mine will be quick, too, but... 
I love the verse in Ephesians and so excited for Bob to do Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us. I just think, I mean, prayer, what is that? A power for plugging into God's power, right? Yes. And using his power. And I know, like Bob said, God can say yes, he can say no, he can say not yet. But I'm thankful for a time in my life, it was probably about 10 years ago, and we had a basketball hoop in the backyard, and the base of it filled with 400 pounds of sand fell on my foot. Didn't crush my foot, but it broke the bones in a couple places, and we just prayed for healing. And I went in on my birthday to have surgery, and the bone had moved within one millimeter, and they sent me home. And just praise God that he's still in work. That's awesome. Anyone else? Um, I don't even know where to start. I had surgery on June 6th on my head. I had a tumor removed. Um, I went to two of the prayer groups two months in a row. And then the night before my surgery, I was invited to a, a, a separate prayer group. And I almost didn't go. And the last minute, something in my head said, call. And I went there, and they prayed for me. By Friday afternoon, I walked to the mailbox. I took a shower. It's, well, this coming Tuesday will be two weeks, and I get the final stitches removed. I have no pain, other than where the stitches are, itches. Um, I mean, it's just, I don't even know what to say. That's awesome. Praise God. So in 2017, uh, I was in YWAM in Germany, and this person, uh, her foot was hurting really bad, and um, it's been hurting for weeks and weeks, and so we decided to pray for her. And so all, all of us gathered around her, and we laid hands on her foot. And, uh, and then she, uh, and then after, after we were done praying, she, she tested her foot out. And she said there was no pain, there was nothing. She was able to move and dance, and she started praising the Lord. So she she got healed of that uh, in Germany. So we were thankful nice. for that. And I was healed uh, before I went to Germany uh, as well by uh, this person and Sandy. So I'm huh? thankful for God for healing me as well. Thank you, nice. God. Thank you. We'll do two more. This is just quick. This is a long time ago before cell phones, and we were at the baseball field with our son, and he got hit right between the eyes with the baseball. We saw his nose move over to the side of his face, and so I raced him to the pediatrician as fast as I could, and um, we sat there, and I used the phone in the office at the pediatrician's office and called someone, and I said, we just need prayer. Ryan's nose is on the side of his face. And, and they said, okay. And so I went back in with the pediatrician. By the time I got in there, Dr. Thompson was his name, and he, he says, Mrs. Maroney, 
as I look at your son right now, watch. And you could see his nose move back into place right where it was supposed to be. Wow. That's awesome. That, that's amazing. A little gross, but amazing. <laughs> so about four years ago, um, my sister had uh, her hands swelled up. Our, she started getting like blotchiness all over her face, and they couldn't figure out what was going on. She goes into the Cleveland Clinic, and they said, well, you've got four weeks to live. You've got stage four cancer. And uh, put on the prayer chain. We were praying for her like crazy. And then I told her, there's a healing prayer room like a mile from your house. Go there, get prayed for. So I go into uh, a meeting for work, and I come out, and my, my phone is blowing up with text. She goes, call me, call me, call me, call me. She's like crying and screaming. She goes, she goes praise God. I went back in the Cleveland Clinic today. I not only ha- don't have cancer, I don't even have any signs that I ever had cancer. It was pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Praise God. All right, we're going to pause on that for just a moment, and we're going to move on to uh, prophetic. So hang on to those prophetic things. And Scott, it'll be a few minutes, so I'll call you again. Um, Our healing prayer ministry can be accessed a few different ways. Number one, at the end of every service, whether I fail to mention it or not, we have prayer warriors in the back. You'll usually see them by their lanyard, but they're in the back, and they want to pray for you. And it can be healing, it can be any one of a number of things that they'll pray with you for, but healing is definitely one of them. You can always do that at any time. But then the other way where we make a time where it's a focused, dedicated time to that is following our Wednesday night service on the first Wednesday of every month. And we do that, we do our regular service, and then we just break off and have a dedicated time of just just healing prayer with all of our prayer team here. Um, and they are gifted in doing that. And then the other way that you can access it is turn to the person next to you and ask them to pray for you, okay? We can do that. We can always, always do that. And if the Holy Spirit prompts you to pray for somebody, whether you know them or not, church, let's do it. If you're walking down the street and the Holy Spirit says you should pray for that person, do it. That's how the power of God manifests in us. It's awesome to pray for each other and to heal each other, but when we show that to the world who doesn't know about it or doesn't understand it, that's when we make Christ known to this world, right? Let's, let's do that. Let's operate in that. All right, more on that Wednesday night if you come for the gift assessment. We'll talk more about that. I might even tell you the story about how God prompted me to lay hands on a crippled man, and he walked cool story, but I'll tell you later. All right, next question. What gift is listed in Scripture more than any other? Prophecy. Prophecy. You kind of put two and two together, huh, and said, hey. All right, well, at least I know you're listening, right? Okay. There are more than 88 different either prophets or times when people spoke prophetically in Scripture prompted by God. 88 times, 63 in the Old Testament and 25 in the New. The gift of prophecy, what this is, it's, I'm going to read it so I don't blow it. It's a special ability to speak forth a message from God, okay? 
he or she will deliver the word of God by means of direct revelation. What direct revelation is, it's not like, I've read scripture and scripture always advises that you should do this. That's not direct revelation. Direct revelation is, the Holy Spirit told me to say this to you. That's direct revelation, okay? So, prophetic words can deal with certain individuals, with the church in general, or even a larger context with nations, right? It's not fortune-telling. Tell me what's going to happen next. It's not that. Unless the Holy Spirit wants it to be, but I haven't seen it operate like that. Paul calls prophecy one of the greater gifts, and he speaks of this gift. He talks about it extensively in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Read that if you want more on this, but 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, pursue love yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but specifically that you may prophesy. Okay, catch that term earnestly desire. I'm going to talk more about that in a few minutes here. And then it goes on, verses two through five, for the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. But for one, but no one understands. But in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for edification, exhortation, and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. That means builds up, encourages the church. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but rather that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edification. Remember, the way he's phrasing these things is because the church in Corinth was kind of going off the rails and how they were operating in these things. But he's clearly saying that prophecy is for edification, exhortation, consolation, for the good and the encouragement of the church in general. And we're told over and over again in Scripture that there's life and freedom to be gained by living in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. Why do we need to understand how to do this? Why are there classes on how to hear the voice of the Spirit and operate in prophecy and, and, and seminars on healing prayer? Why, why do we need all that? If the Holy Spirit can speak to any believer anytime he wants, why do we need training and understanding of how that works? Well, we see in, in Corinthians that the whole church of Corinth was going off the rails with just a general understanding, like, look at this new toy we have. Let's operate in it. And they, and they weren't doing it in a life-giving way. But also, and this is the important one for today, the Holy Spirit's not the only one that speaks to us. If you listen to Pastor Scott's message last week, you know, and we talk all the time, our enemy, the devil, is always trying to twist things. Now, he'll take a good gift that God gives us and he'll twist it just enough to make it ugly. He'll twist it just enough to make it hurt someone. That's not how we operate in gifts. If you operating in your gift is hurting someone, you're not doing it right. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Peter affirmed for us that this, you know, at the day of Pentecost, that prophecy continues, goes on and on. He talks about pouring out his spirit on sons and daughters and and everyone will have this ability. It didn't die out 
with the original apostles. But now there are some, when we talk about prophecy specifically, there's key differences between Old Testament, New Testament prophets. We see this a lot. Old Testament prophets deal, dealt a lot um, with the nation of Israel, giving them prophetic messages from God about things the entire nation as a whole is doing wrong and, and in sometimes even the doom that was going to come to them if they didn't straighten that up. The New Testament prophet has a more universal message than just focused on the nation of Israel, typically. Old Testament prophets often had the characteristics of a judge, a leader, somebody of prominence, somebody who already kind of typically carried a little bit of authority with them, not always, but often. New Testament prophecy is more or less ordinary people, you and me just empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, Old Testament prophets gave a message that typically dealt with entire nations or entire people groups, but the New Testament prophet and prophecy is a personal message delivered to an individual typically. That's usually how we see that operate here today. Now is the time. I want to take, we're already over. I appreciate your indulgence, guys. If we just take a couple minutes Let's talk about a couple, prophet, uh, couple uh, testimonies of how prophecy operated in your life, and maybe we'll get a better picture of what this is. Go ahead. Uh, uh, concise. <clears throat> uh, in 2019, um, my husband started having uh, some seizures. Uh, that we, We'd gone to the ER three times and um, were dismissed. Uh, and then... In what was it, 2021? Um, this was Scott's last set of seizures, but uh, he he died on my bathroom floor, and uh, it was very hard for me. Um, he had cardiac arrest, and his heart stopped, and uh, blood was not going to his brain, and these seizures came on. Anyway, one thing led to another. Um, we brought him immediately to the hospital. They, he had another seizure present where doctors were able to see what I was talking about and actually believe me, even though I'm in the medical field and got dismissed numerous times. They put a pacemaker in him about 10 hours later. Um, and we were sitting in the ICU and Scott said, this was prophesied. And he pulled out his phone and he played a prophecy that he had gotten in uh, the prophetic ministry, and uh, specifically. And it was, we laid there and he played it, and it was, uh, you, God's telling me you have a, a ticking time bomb in your body, and uh, don't be afraid. Um, it's going to go off, and uh, don't let this frighten you, because I'll, I'll make more out of it than what you think. And he stopped it, and we both sobbed in the quiet of that ICU room. And a couple hours later, Bob came to visit. And we did not tell Bob that we listened to this. And he said, hey, I, I've been praying for you, and um, the Lord really impressed upon me that uh, this was, um, this is not, you don't be afraid. This is not actually your end. This is a beginning for you. 
Um, when he left, we cried some more. And I just wanted to say, receiving prophetic word was my comfort as a wife. It was to console me and to comfort me, uh, not to trip out and freak out about being a widow, losing more than half my income. A lot of things were going through my head at that point, and I can't tell you the amount of comfort and consolation that I, and edification that I received. Uh, here, here he is. Awesome. <laughs> so, awesome. That's okay. Um, prophetic ministry. I got two, two things I want to share. One, I would not have stepped into the healing ministry team if I had not gotten prophetic words and dreams. I mean, like, that's a step of faith. It's still a step of faith. It will always be a step of faith. It's not me. It's him. And I'm learning and growing. I'm green behind the ears, but I'm hungry to learn. I'm hungry to grow. I'm hungry to step in it because God gave me that vision. And if it's from him, I want it. Amen. Um, this prophetic words, some of them that I received, I, I guess I'll just briefly, this will be very brief because I have another piece of this I want to talk. I personally got prophetic pictures and words from the Holy Spirit about our marriage. And it, 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 it made sense about where we were, and he gave me the end the end, the end goal of where we're headed, but it was really ugly along the way. And I, every time I just had to remember, that's our end. I don't know when it's coming, but that's our end. And there's a cooperation piece. I could choose to refuse to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to work with him towards that end, and it may never come to pass, or I could cooperate him with him. And we've been cooperating with him, and we are now stepping into that end. And Beautiful. I got that in on our 33 anniversary, and we are going to go into our 37th. It's taken nice. us four years, but this has been a work in progress even before that. Awesome. As somebody who has a prophetic wiring, I just want to say quickly on that other end is the first time that I discovered that I had that wiring was, number one, relieving, and another two, very upsetting, because... It's like I knew there was something in me that I had that was not from me, right? But guess what? I was operating it out of the flesh, and it was ugly. And I began to see that, oh, my gosh, that spirit of religion operating through me is the gift of prophecy that the Holy Spirit gave me when I was born again. But I'm so in control, living out of my flesh, that that's what it looks like. And it's ugly, and it's hurting people. Right. And it took me on my journey to go to just, just get out of flesh control, get filled with the Holy Spirit, and learn how to operate out of that gift in a way that it was meant to be, to be a blessing to the others in the body of Christ. And that's been my journey. That's good. That's good. Thank you. All right. Scott, let's, uh, if, we, if we can, I'm already 16 minutes over, and I don't want to do this, but if we keep it tight. It, it'll, be, it'll be quick. So as... Most of you know, our son, John, had a lot of problems when he was first born. But while Nancy was still pregnant with him, we received, I can't even count the amount of prophecy we have received over our son. And during that time, when doctors were telling us he's going to die, 
we were able to call God and say, you promised these things were going to happen. They have not come to pass. So therefore, Satan's not allowed to take him now. Amen. And due to those prophecies, we were able to have that faith to reach out to see him through all the problems when, you know, he couldn't fight for himself. Beautiful. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. All right. What an amazing problem to have is that we have too many testimonies of prophecy, too many testimonies of healing. Guys, let's talk about this. Let's encourage one another. After service, I know many of you have to leave. If you don't, just sit around and just talk about those things. Let's make that a normal part of our lives, right? So, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish this up really quickly. Prophecy. Um, we have an amazing ministry. It's called the Led by the Spirit School. It's run by Jackie Jacobson, and who happens to not be here today. Um, but you know her if you've taken communion over here. She, her and Stan, her husband, serve it a lot. That's who the contact is, but it's ledbythespiritschool.org, um, and she does classes on how to hear the voice of the Spirit, how to discern the difference between the Holy Spirit's voice and your voice, and, and then how to act on that in a way that honors God, is life-giving, and minimizes your flesh as much as possible. Um, it's an amazing ministry. The next, and she does class series. The next one that's coming up is August 10th. It starts August 10th and it runs through November 16th. Uh, and if you want information, talk to her next week or go to ledbythespiritschool.org. All the information's there. And we've got several people over in this area who have been a part of that ministry and maybe they'd be willing to answer questions if, uh, if anybody has any questions about that. Uh, okay, I need to move on. As I mentioned before, there's so many gifts given, and they're for the spiritual good. And I hinted earlier, uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts. What do you do with things that you earnestly desire? Do you ignore it and put it on a shelf and just go, ah, eh, maybe someday that'll fall into my lap? Okay? I, if you're like me, I Google it. I read all the literature I can on it. I ask people who, who have had that same thing or done that same thing. Um, you talk to other people. You dream about it. You think about it. It occupies your head. Um, you ask God about it. And maybe most importantly, you ever notice how if you see a new car or a new motorcycle or a new shirt or shoes or whatever it is, you suddenly start seeing it everywhere? When we start earnestly desiring the spiritual gifts, we will start seeing them in other people. And that's what it means to earnestly desire. It becomes a focal part of your life. You want it. You want to see it operate. You want to operate in it. That's what it looks like. So if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, okay, if you don't know what they are, I want to really encourage you to come next Wednesday night. Okay? It's not a scientific test, but it is a spirit-led test. We'll talk about the individual gifts. We'll do a little assessment. You will leave knowing what your primary and what your secondary gifts are. Come next Wednesday if you can. Love to have you, all right? Um, now, I just want to pray that by now you understand what the spiritual gifts are. You understand that they're meant to be used in the body, and maybe you have a little bit of a hunger maybe a little bit more of an earnest desire to see them operate in your life.
Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I am so thankful that you are, that you use us. You could do anything without us, but you choose to use us so that we can participate in your power in the kingdom. So Father, I just pray that everyone here, even maybe especially those who have never really thought about the gifts, never really been interested in the gifts, that you would ignite a fire in them now, that they would want to then eagerly pursue the power and the glory that is the spiritual gifts manifest in your believers. Father, I pray that you just manifest in such a way that this body, this body of Christ right here makes such a difference in our community that people know something happened. They don't even have to know what it is, but they'll know something is different. Let us be that light. Let us be that reflection of you in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to take communion now. We've got uh, Jim and Sandy are going to be over here. Gabe and I will be over here. And we've got the the wine and the bread in the back is self-serve. We also have prayer team. If you want to access prayer, please do that there in the back. And let's move about and start enjoying that right now. Thank you, guys.